Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and, of course, awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss something very important to a lot of people, and that is aircraft aging and how the age of the aircraft can can affect so many different things. Each year, they actually get older and older and older. (laughs) By the way, everybody, guess what I got? I got new toys. Mark, our producer just surprised me today and had a whole bunch of new stuff uploaded to my soundboard. And uh, I am just absolutely excited. You have no idea. Brandon, you're going to be an absolute menace. You, you should not have access to this kind of technology. And uh, I think you're just going to annoy all of our listeners. But you know what? I hope I can save our episode with, uh, with some facts and good discussion about aircraft aging, right? That's how I feel about that. I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm going to go home. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll stop messing with my soundboard for a few minutes at least. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, in the world of general aviation, one of the crucial decisions that aircraft owners face is whether to keep repairing that old aircraft or is it time to invest in a new one? And the decision really, it's a really personal one. And it, it comes down to a detailed cost analysis. So there's going to be factors like ongoing maintenance expenses, fuel efficiency, insurance premiums, and also that depreciation rate of that aircraft. And they're all going to play a part in that cost analysis. It's not going to be just about that upfront cost either. It's it's really going to be a long-term investment strategy. So understanding all of those financial aspects can help owners to make that informed decision and balance the economic and operational considerations as well as the consideration of, I'm going to have a brand new toy. So, Brandon, we've talked a lot about getting a plane that's right for your mission and what you want to do with it. But you've had planes that are old, and you've had planes that are new. So I kind of figured, if anyone, that you would have insight on when it makes sense to buy a new plane or buy an old plane. Yeah, absolutely. It really depends on your budget. It depends on your financial situation, obviously. I mean, a brand new Cessna 172 is five, $600,000, and that's a slow airplane. Uh, a brand new Cirrus is now north of a million dollars. I think the new one came out, it's like one, two or one, three, which is absolutely crazy to me. And you can buy used aircraft still anywhere from, I mean, I have an airplane that I'm going to be putting for sale pretty soon for like 40 grand. So there's airplane you can get. I mean, I bought the airplane I'm putting on for sale for 40000 You know how much I bought it for, Carson? What plane is it? Give me an idea. Five Zero Whiskey. It's a Cherokee 160. Oh, 20000 Nope. I bought that baby for $8,500. And uh, it needed some work on it, but I just spent $2,500 on it. Got it a really good annual um, after that. So maybe I spent like mm, $4,500 on it. And I had an airplane worth twenty at the time. It wasn't worth that much then. Uh, but now, yeah. It's worth 40 or 50 grand and uh, airplanes just keep on going up, up, up. Uh, Now, granted, I've done a lot of maintenance on that airplane over the past several years. It used to be in a flight school. There used to be several things, but it's uh, it kind of depends on what your situation is, but you can find deals out there. If you have the right connections, I wouldn't recommend to anybody on here, go buy an $8,000 airplane and expect for you to, uh, uh, to be able to repair it for as little as I did. 
FYI, I also own a maintenance shop. So, um, with Richard, so it, it was a little bit easier for me to uh, get the work done and a lot cheaper, obviously, cause I get it for cost. Right. So I wouldn't recommend anybody doing that, but you can buy them pretty cheap. And if you wanted to finance an airplane, you can finance an airplane for five, 10, 15, 20. I've seen 30 year notes on airplanes. They're less common nowadays, but, uh, but you can get a, a very long note on an airplane. I see 20 years kind of all the time and you can get a 20 year note on a hundred thousand dollar airplane. That's, that's like an, if somebody has an RV that costs a hundred thousand dollars, most people can't afford a hundred thousand dollar RV. They afforded the down payment and now they have a, a lower payment every month. That's how they afford their RV. And that's how they can afford to still take trips and not just spend all of their, uh, disposable income on, on that particular item. Right. Same thing goes with an airplane. You could buy newer airplanes, older airplanes. It kind of depends on your budget range. And there's also some amazing tax implications for them, uh, like accelerated depreciation. Um, accelerated depreciation is something that people who are high income earners, they uh, utilize to lower their, their tax basis. Uh, the thing is, the accelerated depreciation has been going down every year. Last year, it was 80%. The year before and for several years prior, it was 100%. Uh, but uh, this year it's down to 60%. Next year will be down to 40, then 20, and then zero. Uh, do I think that will stay there? Me and a whole lot of other tax people, I'm not a tax person, by the way, a lot of other tax people I've talked to uh, think that the accelerated depreciation will come back. Um, it depends uh, probably on this election, if it comes back or not. Um, and who knows, it might come back before it. They might try to garner votes in that way. Uh, I know that would be a big thing for me and a lot of people I know. So it would, it would change, uh, change the life of a lot of, a lot of people who are high income earners that have to pay 50, 60% of their total income in taxes. It makes it so the, it's their biggest expenditure that they have, but enough about taxes and, and stuff, but it is in regards to airplanes because the tax benefit and the tax cost is really the biggest uh, thing that I look at when I purchase an airplane and the accelerated depreciation. For example, I don't know if you realize this, Carson, but you also have to pay property tax on an airplane. So that means just like if you owned a house for 300,000 and you pay property tax yearly, you also have to pay property tax on the airplane yearly. And, uh, and I'll tell you this, the, uh, the municipalities that, that control the taxes on, on property, they're not very friendly. They want you to pay your bill immediately. So depending on what airplane you buy, you might buy a, a cheaper one because you don't want to have to pay that property tax. It's not put in an escrow account like your house is. It's uh, it's paid by you, either quarterly or yearly. So you have, to, you have to make sure you account for that. So a lot of the things are the financial aspects. Obviously, if you think an aircraft is going to uh, increase in value, you might want to pick a certain one. If you think they're decreasing in value, you might want to pick a different one. Things like that. Wow, that was a that's a deep dive into the taxes and, and at least the financial aspect of it. I, I know there's a lot that goes into the considerations you have to make uh, beyond just the price tag. But what other considerations are there as far as the plane itself? I mean, you want to know if you're multi-rated. If you're not, what kind of avionics it has? Um, does it have really old avionics that you may have to upgrade um, very quickly? How long does it take to get the avionics that you want and put into the airplane that you already own? And not just how long does it take for the installation, how long does it take to get the parts? I know if you want to get in a Garmin dealer, you might not be able to get parts for three or six months, but you also might not be able to get into uh, the dealer to get the stuff installed for a year. I mean, I know there's a few places that I think you can get in in like three months, but 
it's still a long time. And then your airplane is going to be down. They all say it's going to be down for two weeks. Guess what? It's never down for two weeks. It's always down for two or three months. So remember that. And then by the time your two or three months is over, just coincidentally, every single time, you know what, you know what is due around that time, Carson? Your annual. So once that happens, now your airplane's going to be down for another, oh, my mechanic says two weeks, another month or two. So now you're going to be out your airplane for six months and uh, it's just going to be one of those things. So if you were somebody who wants to fly a lot or you just want to keep up on flying or you want to time build or something like that, then you better buy an airplane that's already done and you've already had a really good pre-buy inspection done and you've already purchased that airplane that you are going to be able to use right away. And uh, by the way, I tell everybody whenever you buy an airplane, probably not a newer one. I haven't bought enough newer ones to have this issue yet. Actually, I mean, my icons had this issue, so it's probably still about valid. Um, any airplane you buy, plan on 10% of the purchase cost to go back into maintenance during the first year, no matter what. Uh, maintenance or upgrades that you're going to want to do that just irritate you, like there's a piece of plastic that's cracked or or there's a, a gauge that's a little sticky and it, it may be within, it may be airworthy, but it's just not up to your standards, right? Or something will go wrong. And so if you buy a $250,000 airplane, plan on at least $25,000. If you buy a $100,000 airplane, which most people who buy $100,000 airplanes, they might not have the extra 10 grand around uh, to help them when this happens. So you need a budget for that. You need to make sure you know that this is likely going to happen. It will be at least 10%. I sometimes say 20% on an older aircraft because especially if it sits for a little while, Things are, are not going to uh, go well for that airplane, especially all their gauges are all going to go out. They're all going to have to be replaced. It's going to be in maintenance in and out. It's going to kind of be a pain. So really, I would say that depending on the on how much work and how often you want to fly, it should be determinant on whether you buy older, kind of mid-age, or, or newer. And by the way, if you want to buy newer, there's another problem too. You're going to have to... Uh, uh, wait a really long time to get a new airplane. I know you can't even get a new Cessna for like four years right now. And uh, I think Cirrus is about the same and several other places. And uh, I know that if you did want to buy a Cessna in four years, you have to put like 10 or 20% down today. And then you have to make progress payments over the next four years until it's paid off. And then you can get it financed at the end of it. So you have to make sure you have the money out of pocket right now, which is pretty crazy. I mean, that's like a brand new trainer airplane. So imagine what what's happening with all the rest. Uh, I don't really know anything about the jet market, but I'm assuming that's probably takes a little while to get one of those too. Do you have any idea what's causing these long lead times for these brand new airplanes? Yeah, I mean, the long lead times on supply and demand. There is uh, low supply, high demand, therefore prices are going up. I mean, it's not to be a smart, smart aleck, but it, it's basic economics. I mean, if there's less supply and there's more demand, there's more air travel demand nowadays than ever before, right? We see it on the news with the pilot shortage. That's why Stratus Financial exists because we need to fund more pilots, right? There's also a, a problem with that. And the problem is there's not quite enough airplanes uh, out there to train as many pilots as we need. Now, granted, we are, we're getting there slowly but surely and trying to solve this problem, but it's not going to be solved anytime soon. The pilot shortage is going to stay. And, uh, and it's going to cause bottlenecks all over the, all over the aviation landscape. And one big one is airplanes. Uh, there's just not enough trainer airplanes to be able to, uh, to train students. So therefore the manufacturers have to 
step up and build more and more and more. Now, if it's not profitable for them to step up and build more, or they don't see that in 10 years, they're going to be able to sell the same amount of airplanes, why would they invest in that to be able to build more airplanes now? It doesn't matter because in 10 years, they're still going to have all the tooling and they'll lose money in 10 years when the demand goes down. And so they're not going to do that. They're just going to keep it bottlenecked and they can raise their prices and have higher margins and, and they'll be better off. But it is affecting the public. Uh, I don't think that the government will get involved in it. Um, should they? Maybe, maybe not. They haven't gotten involved with it for years and years and years. There's nothing that tells me they're going to do it now. So I doubt it. So I think that airplane prices are, are going to stay up. They're here to stay. And I think they're only going to go up, 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 especially on training aircraft. Uh, I think on the light and mid-size multis, I think those are going to go back down price-wise, by the way, because, I mean, nobody's flying those anymore. And if you do fly them, uh, then you're you're kind of one of the, the older people that, that learned how to fly them or is able to even get insured in them. So the insurance companies also control this too. I mean, you can only buy an airplane that you can get insured in, right? I mean, Carson, if you got your multi-engine tomorrow, you could not go buy a 421 uh, or even a 340 and expect to go, uh, expect to get insured in it. Actually, you couldn't even go get a Baron and expect to get insured with it. They would force you to go have 50 hours of dual and then 50 hours of solo before you can even have passengers in it. And maybe even go to a complete course on how to fly the plane. So it's not a matter of can't afford the insurance. It's they will actually not give you insurance. Yeah, you just can't even get it. I mean, it's like, will you give a 16-year-old insurance on a Lamborghini? No, of course not. It's just not going to happen. I mean, unless there's a overarching reason to do so. Like, oh, they've been driving a Lamborghini for years and years and years. And I mean, that's it's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. Same thing with the airplanes. They don't have the hours. They're not going to be able to fly it. Now, do I think that's right by the insurance companies? Absolutely not. I think the insurance companies need to get overhauled big time. They are, uh, they're causing so many issues in the industry. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, there's, there's only a few underwriters, even in the country, that write aviation policies. It's like a monopoly. And they talk to each other. They do all sorts of things. I'm probably going to irritate some insurance people if they listen to this, but I don't care. They need to hear it. They, they, the insurance industry is, is ruining general aviation. Uh, literally general aviation can die just because of uh, the aviation insurance industry. It's very possible. I think if you're going to, if you're looking for, uh, if you've got a lot of capital and you're looking for uh, something new to get into, probably in about five years, I mean, today you should look into Stratus Financial, of course, but in about five years, I think that the uh, aviation insurance company, there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. Uh, for people to get in. And that's because of all this. And I know I'm kind of going on a tangent with that, but honestly, it's part of, it's one of the big costs uh, and one of the big reasons why you need to go with an older or a newer airplane. Uh, some insurance companies actually prefer newer airplanes uh, because their salvage value might be higher because most aviation accidents are not giant crashes where the plane is totaled. Most aviation accidents are, are you hitting a tail striking or prop striking or, or things like that, where they could probably total the airplane pretty easily, and then they could sell the salvage for a high dollar amount. I have a question. Uh, it might not be the smartest thing, but are you able to fly a plane without insurance? You, you know, like, is it like having a car where you're required to carry insurance? Nope. You can fly an airplane without insurance all day long, as long as uh, you don't have a lender on it. But I will tell you this, it's probably not the smartest thing to do. I've done it before because I've had to, because no one would insure me on a twin, right? And I flew it just fine. 
now the insurance companies will insure me with no problem on on most airplanes, at least piston, twin piston, piston singles. But yeah, you can fly an airplane without insurance anytime you want. But if you do have a loan on it, your lender is going to say otherwise. You're going to they're going to force you to have insurance on it for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Also, kind of segues us into the safety aspect of of having a new plane versus an old plane, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the paramount importance of safety in aviation it really brings to the forefront the kind of critical concerns associated with with airplanes just getting older. Um, as aircraft age, there's factors like structural fatigue. Um, and that's exacerbated by the, the rigors of regular flight operations, uh, irregular flight operations, Carson, uh, like people doing things they shouldn't do, um, corrosion, and even environmental factors. I mean, leaving an airplane out on the ramp, things like that, that's it's going to cause issues. Even meticulous uh, adherence to the FAA's stringent safety regulations, um, using the routine and comprehensive maintenance protocols, it's pivotal in mitigating these risks. However, the inevitable question arises at what juncture does an older aircraft begin really to inherently pose higher safety risk compared to its more contemporary counterparts? Honestly, I have uh, lots of opinions on this, Carson. <laughs> I know you've gone off on several tangents already. It's kind of fun to watch. Glad someone enjoys it. Well, upgrading an older aircraft, uh, kind of like you mentioned earlier, upgrading it with new and modern technology can bring new life into it. The upgrades can be anything from advancing the avionics systems with a six-month lead time like we talked about, to total engine overhauls. And they can really improve the performance, safety, and efficiency of the airplane, but they come with cost considerations as well. So, you know, like with everything, there's going to be a benefit, and there can also be a potential challenge for each of these technological enhancements. So, Brandon, do you have any thoughts on how they can extend that operational lifespan of the aging aircraft by putting something new in them? Yeah, I mean, we've we already talked about a few things. There's STCs you can do on engine performance. Um, there's corrosion protection, like Corrosion X. Uh, that's a big one. Put that on your aircraft wings uh, and empennage. Uh, Want to make sure that the airplane is just staying structurally sound. Uh, have better landings. I mean, that's a fun one, right? Uh, once you fly long enough, you realize if you use a long enough runway, you can increase your air, your airspeed and you could pull your power back and you can literally fly over the runway. And you can just touch down nice and soft. In the beginning, it doesn't quite seem like that because you're trying to just figure out how to put the airplane onto the ground. Once you realize that you're flying the airplane over the ground and you reduce your power and reduce your airspeed to let the airplane stop flying right over the ground, like an inch over the ground, that will turn into your best landings you ever have. And uh, and that's really how, how I like to land aircraft, as long as I have extra runway. If I'm on a short runway, doing a short field landing, I'm throwing those flaps up, I'm, I'm doing some some fun stuff, right? It's going to be a little bit more firm because we got to get on the ground. But in general, if you got a longer runway. Uh, but like I said, I, I think that the the risk imposed by older aircraft versus newer aircraft are, are huge. I am way more afraid of flying a brand new airplane off the flight line than I am flying an airplane that has flown for 3000 hours or even an, an engine that has 2,500 or 3000 hours. I would prefer to fly an engine over TBO that's had regular proper maintenance rather than fly a brand new engine. I've had problems uh, with uh, engines before and uh, guess what? Uh, they were all with brand new engines. Never with an old engine. I've never had a problem with an old engine. Now, I, 
can't say that that hasn't happened or it doesn't happen. I know lots of people it's happened to, uh, especially, I mean, cylinders are normally the thing that typically happens, but I would say that, uh, I'm way more afraid of flying a, a newer airplane than an older airplane because it's not tried and true. It's not proven yet. I don't know if it's going to last for 3000 hours or if there's structural issues with it. I don't know any of these things. I mean, when the Piper issue came out where the Piper's wing fell off in flight a couple of years ago, that was with not a really old airplane. It was with a newer airplane, uh, that had improper maintenance. So it all, it all kind of depends on, on what's happening. And the last thing we're going to talk about today is, uh, in, in our very environmentally conscious era, uh, the impact of operating older aircraft takes a new significance. Uh, typically newer aircraft are more fuel efficient, have a reduced carbon footprint. I think that's kind of all crazy, crazy talk, by the way. Okay. So the airplane's going to push out the same amount of carbon, but it took less carbon to build it. I mean, we're really just pushing out the same amount of carbon, but it just took less carbon to build it. So a lot of, a lot of high-end companies using a lot of fancy uh, monkey math to, to figure out how to, how to make that work. I mean, you see it even on the, on Expedia every day and like, Ooh, this has a smaller carbon footprint. No, not really. <laughs> uh, Maybe if it's a brand new airplane, it really does have a smaller carbon footprint. Maybe that's possible, but they use some weird math there. Today, even older airplanes are still carrying a hefty price tag, which could prompt somebody to lean towards buying a new one. But you really have to do what's right for you. I mean, you can't just uh, you can't just pick one or the other um, willy nilly. You can't just say I want the the fastest, newest, nicest airplane. There's a lot of other factors you need to consider in it, um, and a lot of them are are safety. And sometimes it's even family. Uh, does does your wife or husband, do they want you to have a, uh, a parachute in your airplane? Uh, that's the reason why Cirrus is so successful. Families like it. They like the fact that they can pull that parachute and land safely, uh, at least semi-safely onto the ground um, without killing their family if they ever had an engine issue or the pilot ever became incapacitated or something like that. So there's, there's selling factors for different types of airplanes for different reasons. And you just have to figure that one out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about a lot today. Um, besides Brandon's tangents, there's a lot that goes into buying a new aircraft and deciding if it's going to be a new aircraft at all or just an older and more worn-in aircraft uh, is part of the consideration. You know, new aircraft models are generally more fuel efficient. There's also insurance considerations that are really crucial in dealing with what kind of aircraft you're flying. If it's old, if it's new, and the cost and coverage of anything can really vary quite a bit between the older and newer aircraft models. So like Brandon said, there's a lot that goes into it. And aside from just picking the plane that you want for your mission, there's a lot that goes into it. There really is. So make sure you reach out to an aviation broker or even reach out to uh, myself or Carson. If you have any questions, we're, we're always happy to help. And the way that you can do that is if uh, you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us via email. It's Brandon and aviationmentors.com or it's Carson at AviationMentors.com. Also, please don't forget to hit follow, like, subscribe, all those things that you love to do on whatever streaming platform you're using or listening to us on. Uh, it's really a huge part of helping our uh, podcast grow and, of course, helping the aviation community grow. So thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate it. And as a wrap-up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. <laughs>